Welcome to Fellowship Bible Church. Welcome as well to those joining us online and down in our F3 service. Thank you for being with us. Uh, one of the joys I've been blessed with over the last six years on staff here uh, is watching teenagers grow and mature right before my very eyes. Warms the heart. Uh, that often for them most excitedly happens when they start driving. So it's, it's funny to hear 15-year-olds commiserate over having to pass their learner's permit test. Specifically, though, as part of that, uh, there's a, a road sign recognition test. You remember this thing? This is how the, the state of Virginia uh, chooses to welcome children into the wonderful world of being stressed out at the DMV. You have to pass 10 questions correctly identifying and explaining whatever road sign you're given. But they have to be interpreted perfectly or else it's an immediate failure. I think it's a 15-day waiting period. You can study the book and take it again. So, so teen angst builds with this kind of thing. When I was in high school, a buddy of mine was the, the first of my peer group of age. Uh, he went and took it. First question, got it wrong. Had to leave. Shortest DMV trip ever. He came to school uh, the next day by school bus, obviously, and he was mad. He came up to our friend group. He said, dudes, I got out on question one. I thought it was going to be easy. I thought they'd warm me up. I thought they'd give me a stop sign or something, but it was some weird yellow sign he said he'd never seen before. Moral of that story, when it came to the learner's permit test, if you didn't study the book, the meaning of signs would confuse you. Last week here at FBC, we hit on God's sovereignty. I'd like to talk about something confusing and controversial again, and that is the topic of signs and wonders. Uh, take your Bibles and turn with me to Acts chapter 2, because that phrase and those things, signs and wonders, they pop up throughout Scripture, and they are things that many seek after and want to know about today. As you're turning there and as we dig deeper into the content of Acts, it's important that we realize signs matter to us. Knowing their purpose and message matters. Here's some further proof of that in today's culture. It's easy to miss the, the mark on this stuff. How about this first sign I'd like to show you? Sometimes what they hope to communicate <laughs> and what they accidentally communicate are at odds with one another. Because sometimes you matter. Don't give up. But some people might read this puppy and say, you don't matter. Give up. How about this next one? God's love is deeper than this snow. <laughs> and if you couldn't tell by the picture, uh, most likely taken during the summer solstice. Because that's nothing but dried grass. Here's another one. Signs matter. Now, when it comes to people who are hurting, the church would like to communicate that we love them, but probably not the best idea to put a sign out front that says we love hurting people. <laughs> Which brings us to the last one. Don't let worries kill you. Let the church help. <laughs> is the church here to stop the worries or is the church here to stop me? Signs are hard. Sometimes, clearly, we, we struggle with our road signs, let alone the, the body of Christ coming together to wrestle 
with the signs and wonders of a sovereign God. See, if we don't have a good understanding of how God has chosen to reveal himself, we'll continue to trip up over these things. So before we read the passage, hopefully you're there, Acts 2, I just want to remind us quickly, God reveals himself in two ways. Perhaps you've heard of this, general revelation and special revelation. General revelation is this, this awareness of God and of right and wrong. This is something that creation and mankind naturally communicate about the existence of God. Creation and creature point to creator. Psalm 19 tells us that creation speaks to the existence of God. It says in Psalm 19 verse 1, the heavens declare the glory of God and the sky above proclaims his handiwork. Same with Romans 1 verse 20, for his invisible attributes, namely his eternal power and divine nature, have been clearly perceived ever since the creation of the world in the things that have been made so they are without excuse. And while general revelation acknowledges God and a, a need for rescue, it doesn't actually communicate anything salvific, the, the means of salvation or, or reconciliation between God and man. Which brings us to special revelation to which signs and wonders belong. Special revelation is God sharing himself through miraculous means. This includes biblical examples such as the physical appearance of God, dreams, visions, the written word of God, and ultimately Jesus himself. Some examples of that, here's Exodus 3, 2 through 4 in the life of Moses. Very quickly, it says there, the angel of the Lord appeared to him in flames of fire from within a bush. Moses saw that the bush was on fire, but it did not burn up. So he thought, I will go over and see this strange sight. Why the bush does not burn up. When the Lord saw that he had gone over to look, God called to him from within the bush, Moses, Moses. And talk about an attention getter. Moses said, here I am. The appearance of God. So it was also with dreams and visions. Here's early in the story of Abraham. He had the luxury of getting the word of the Lord by vision. Here's Genesis 15 verse 1. After these things, the word of the Lord came to Abram, who will be Abraham in a vision, saying... Do not fear. I am a shield to you. Your reward shall be very great. Now, obviously, we aren't interpreting, interpreting these signs or, or passages here. I'm giving you right now just enough to prove that they happened. But it's, it's special revelation. So when we study Acts and we come across the incredible things going on, they are in addition to general revelation and they're genuinely something special. So let's read together then, Acts 2, starting in verse 22. Acts 2, 22. What are biblical signs and wonders? Where did they appear? You remember when we studied this, Peter is giving his first sermon at the beginning of the church age. The Holy Spirit is at work in mighty ways, being poured out. People are getting saved. And here's what he says. Men of Israel, listen to these words. Jesus the Nazarene, a man attested to you by God, with miracles and wonders and signs, which God performed through him in your midst, just as you yourselves know. This man, delivered over by the predetermined plan and foreknowledge of God, you nailed to a cross by the hands of godless men and put him to death. But God raised him up again, putting an end to the agony of death, since it was impossible for him to be held in its power. It's clear from this passage that miracles 
wonders and signs appeared through, and this is where your notes begin, the ministry of Jesus. The ministry of Jesus. We ought to understand that if we're going to talk about a topic such as this one. See, Peter addressed the miracles, wonders, and signs of Jesus. The word wonders is from the Greek word teros, and it essentially means a miracle that reveals something hidden. And signs is from the Greek word simeon, which means the person who performs the miracles is special and chosen by God to do so. So you do a Greek word study on this stuff, it reveals to us that the ministry of Jesus included powerful demonstrations, which we know to be miracles, the revelation of something otherwise hidden, we know that to be wonders, and clear indications that he was of God, signs. That's a very healthy starting point and foundation for, Peter, for Peter's whole sermon. So, too, it shall be for us as we study it, understanding biblical signs and wonders. And think about the context of Acts 2 for a second. If the Holy Spirit has been poured out and, and people are getting saved, that means the environment has never been more spiritual, more charismatic, more exciting than this. And the basis for the sermon is the detail of Christ and his message. So too shall it be for us as we study. With that in mind, if we study the ministry of Jesus in detail, we affirm furthermore that signs and wonders served a very particular and much bigger purpose, way beyond meeting any sort of environmental need in the moment. So turn with me for a minute to the Gospel Mark chapter 1. The Gospel of Mark chapter 1, one of four gospel accounts of Jesus' life and ministry. This is the shortest gospel account we have, but it gives us some detail here that I want to look at. We're going to be in Mark chapter 1, verse 29. And what we are going to see is that Jesus does some incredible things, yet they all actually build to what he says. So look at Mark 1, starting in verse 29. As soon as they left the synagogue, it says they went with James and John, to the house of Simon and Andrew. Simon's mother-in-law was in bed with a fever, and they immediately told Jesus about her. So, verse 31, he went to her, took her hand, and helped her up. The fever left her. She began to wait on them. That evening, you can picture this, after sunset, the people brought to Jesus all the sick and demon-possessed. The whole town gathered at the door, and Jesus healed many who had various diseases. He also drove out many demons, but he wouldn't let them speak because they knew who he was. Very early in the morning, while it was still dark, Jesus got up, left the house, and went off to a solitary place where he prayed. Simon and his companions went to look for him. And when they found him, verse 37, they exclaimed, everyone is looking for you. And Jesus replied, let's go somewhere else to the nearby villages so I can preach there also. That is why I have come. Preaching, that's why I have come. Put yourself in their shoes. Are you kidding me? That's why you've come? We got it made. We should be setting up a booth and charging these people, and you can be all wonderful and miraculous as much as you want. It'll be great. He said, no, I come with a message. In fact, the signs and wonders 
exist only for the authentication of that message. See, that's why Peter said in Acts 2 that Jesus was attested to them by God. So in that, even the ministry of Jesus never exploited his ability to demonstrate power. It was tactful. It was purposeful to authenticate, to validate his message. So the question is, what is that message? Jesus is telling us, I'm here because I have a message for the world. That means healing the sick, casting out demons. That was a benefit of his presence, but it wasn't the ultimate reason for it. What's the message? There's another gospel account, the Gospel of John. Go ahead and flip with me, actually. Gospel of John chapter 8. Gospel of John often referred to uh, as the book of signs, by the way. This book, along with Mark and the other gospel accounts, makes it pretty clear what his message was. John chapter 8, we're going to be starting in verse 48. John 8, 48. Talk about a misinterpretation of signs. Good grief. Listen to this mess that this passage starts out with. Jews answered him, 848, aren't we right in saying that you are a Samaritan and demon-possessed? I'm not possessed by a demon, said Jesus, but I honor my father and you dishonor me. I'm not seeking glory for myself, but there's one who seeks it and he's the judge. Very truly, I tell you, whoever obeys my word will never see death. Verse 52, at this they exclaimed, now we know that you are demon-possessed because Abraham died and so did the prophets. Yet you say that whoever obeys your word will never taste death. Are you greater than our father Abraham? He died, so did the prophets. And they ask what I think is the coolest question Jesus was ever asked. Who do you think you are? And Jesus replied, if I glorify myself, my glory means nothing. My father, whom you claim as your God, is the one who glorifies me. Though you do not know him, I know him. If I said I did not, I'd be a liar like you. But I do know him and obey his word. Your father Abraham, he rejoiced at the thought of seeing my day. He saw it and was glad. How did they respond? Verse 58, you are not yet 50 years old and you claim to have seen Abraham. Very truly I tell you, Jesus answered, before Abraham was born, I am. And at this, they picked up stones to stone him. But Jesus hid himself slipping away from the temple grounds. What's the message and why would it be offensive to the religious regime? Well, to mention superiority to Abraham, that was a no-no. And to use God's own phrase, I am, right in the face of religion in that day and age. There's your message. And it spared no punch. Jesus is God. The Gospel of John is home to, to many miracles and, and lessons we can study. But structurally, it's written to detail seven major signs that Jesus performs, all of which build up to the eighth, the death and resurrection of Jesus on the cross. He conquered death. He beat it. See, that's a magnificent and true story, and it's the foundation of our understanding for signs and wonders, because so it was too with the people in Acts. Why read 
what, what we just read, because it's where Peter went. This is Peter's rallying cry, the detailed account of this Jesus who they crucified. Then, later in Acts 2, you can head back there for me, Acts 2, we're going to jump ahead a little bit now from verse 22, and we're going to see the second way that signs and wonders manifest themselves in Scripture. Your sermon notes reflect this too. It's through the ministry of his apostles. Acts 2, the ministry of his apostles. Look starting in verse 37, because the question is, how did they respond to Peter's message? And listen to this response, verse 37. Now when they heard this, they were pierced to the heart and said to Peter and the rest of the apostles, brethren, what shall we do? Peter said to them, repent and each of you be baptized in the name of Jesus Christ for the forgiveness of your sins and you will receive the gift of the Holy Spirit for the promise is for you and your children and for all who are far off as many as the Lord our God will call to himself. And with many words, he solemnly testified, kept on exhorting them saying, be saved from this perverse generation. So then, verse 41, those who had received his word were baptized. And that day were added about 3,000 souls. You might remember this. They were continually devoting themselves to the apostles' teaching, to fellowship, to the breaking of bread, and to prayer. And it says, everyone kept feeling a sense of awe and many wonders and signs were taking place through the apostles. Biblical confirmation that signs and wonders happened through the apostles. How did they handle these signs and wonders? Does scripture offer any clarity on, on, on them and what they were doing and how they were doing it? I want to share with you a bit of last week's passage. passage you may recall, this is Acts 4. This is in the middle of a unified corporate prayer, Acts 4, 29 and 30. They say, now, Lord, take note of their threats and grant that your bondservants may speak your word with all confidence while you extend your hand to heal and signs and wonders take place through the name of your holy servant, Jesus. See, the prayer of Peter, John, and companions said, please grant that we Speak your word with confidence while you extend your hand to heal and signs and wonders take place through you. Now, isn't that fascinating? We here at FBC have studied and understood that the wild and wonderful things we read in Acts are, are descriptive texts that, that show us how God authenticated his message then through them. It is not a prescription for us. The book of Acts is not where we get our theology. It's not a prescriptive text for what we should be seeking or guaranteeing us these experiences today. That's what the rest of the New Testament is for. We, we've covered that here at Fellowship. But what I want to point out here is in Acts, the mentality already of his people, the apostles, was whatever you're going to do, Lord, we ask that you do it. But as for us, grant us the ability to what? Raise the dead? Turn water into wine? Cast out demons? No. Allow us to handle your message. Meaning, even people that were there for these signs and wonders. 
even the people who did signs and wonders through the power of the Spirit, they knew that those signs and wonders existed to authenticate and testify to the truth of the message of Jesus, the message they were called to handle. The message has always mattered more than the miracles. So what is it about the, the age of the, the apostles then, the apostolic age? Is there, is there scripture that helps us understand the signs and wonders that occurred after Jesus left the earth? Do we have any clues to the specific ministry of the apostles as far as special revelation is concerned? The answer to that is a resounding, yeah, buddy. Let me share with you 2 Corinthians 12, 12. Paul tells Corinth, as he's addressing some concerns in their church, he reminds them, I persevered in demonstrating among you the marks of a true apostle, including signs, wonders, and miracles. Marks of a true apostle. We also actually get a whole chapter of the Bible addressing some specifics, prophecy and tongues, two things that remain controversial to this day. I want to share with you a portion of what Paul shares in 1 Corinthians 14 that supports the notion that biblical signs and wonders were for a specific purpose and even for a specific people. Here's 1 Corinthians 14, starting in verse 20. It says, brothers and sisters, stop thinking like children. In regard to evil, be infants, but in your thinking, be adults. In the law, it is written, with other tongues and through the lips of foreigners, I will speak to this people. But even then, they will not listen to me, says the Lord. And here's his conclusion based on that. Verse 22, tongues then are a sign, not for believers, but for unbelievers. Prophecy, however, is not for unbelievers, but for believers. So, and he teases this out for us, if the whole church comes together, believers together, and everyone speaks in tongues, and inquirers or unbelievers come in, will they not say that you're out of your mind? But if an unbeliever or an inquirer comes in while everyone, while the body of Christ, while believers are prophesying, they are convicted of sin, they are brought under judgment by all as the secrets of the heart are laid bare, so they will fall down and worship God, exclaiming, God is really among you. Biblical tongues, which literally translated here just means the ability to speak another language, they were designed for unbelievers, not for the edification and the building up of the body of Christ. They were assigned to the unbelieving Jew, oh wow, this message is coming through to me and I understand it. I see the God behind what is happening in front of my own eyes. And you see, this is awesome for us that we have scripture like this because Paul knew the church would get confused over signs. If we don't study the book, the meaning of signs can confuse us. It happens. It even continued to happen to people around Paul later in Acts. So let me briefly share this incident, uh, Acts chapter 28. You'll remember this story. They're stuck on the island of Malta, and listen to this mess. But when Paul had gathered a bundle of sticks and laid them on the fire, a viper came out because of the heat and fastened itself on his hand. 
When the natives saw the creature hanging from his hand, they began saying to one another, Undoubtedly, this man is a murderer. And though he has been saved from the sea, justice has not allowed him to live. However, verse 5, he shook the creature off into the fire and suffered no harm. But they were expecting that he was about to swell up or drop dead. But after they had waited a long time and had seen nothing unusual happen to him, they changed their minds and began to say that he was a god. They misinterpreted the sign twice. He got bit, dude's a murderer. They watch him, he survives, dude's a god. I mean, come on people, get it together. Paul in this chapter suffered no harm here. And he continued on with what in Acts 28? Signs and wonders, specifically healing of people. He didn't do that as a murderer. He didn't do it as God, but as someone chosen by God, given the ability to validate Christ's message in unbelieving eyes. Again, all of this for what purpose? More than just meeting physical needs. What is the role of special revelation God revealing himself in miraculous ways. It's to authenticate his message. These biblical signs and wonders existed to authenticate and testify to the message of Jesus Christ. In the ministry of Jesus, Peter said it. Jesus attested by God. I'm God and I can prove it. Jesus is life. In the ministry of the apostles, Acts 2.43 said it. 2 Corinthians 12 said it. Hebrews 2 details it further for us. God continued to testify to his own message in these ways. Here's Hebrews 2. Hebrews 1 says everything comes down to our view of Jesus. Here's how chapter 2 begins of Hebrews. For this reason, we must pay much closer attention to what we have heard so that we do not drift away from it. For if the word spoken through angels proved unalterable and every transgression and disobedience received a just penalty, how will we escape if we neglect so great a salvation? After it was at first spoken through the Lord, it was confirmed to us by those who heard. God also testifying with them, both by signs and wonders, and by various miracles, and by gifts of the Holy Spirit according to his own will. Because the question, as we discuss signs and wonders, miracles, special revelation of God, the question is, what about us? What about today? Well, for starters, we've been called to pay much closer attention to what we have heard, and that includes the reminder that biblical signs and wonders were how God testified with them. Hebrews 2 uses the phrase with them, referring to the apostles. 1 Corinthians 14 says to this people, Jews in that day and age that needed convincing. Thus, it is descriptive Acts content about God's special revelation to them. Why? What else were they going to use? How else could they authenticate the message of Jesus? He left Jesus. We know what he used. What about them? They didn't have the New Testament. 
They didn't have anywhere near the completed Scriptures. See, one of the most common reasons we wrestle with signs and wonders today is that we often focus on what the apostles had that we don't. But what do we have that they didn't? The Scriptures. We have it all, the finished work, and in it, the same signs and wonders we can point people towards. This is our special revelation. God has spoken. He speaks. You want a tangible miracle in your life that you can control? You have the Word of God in your lap right now, and you can hear from Him whenever you'd like. Don't anybody tell me that's not special. All of this brings us lastly to the ministry of his people. The ministry of his people. What about us? What about now? What are the signs and wonders of today? Are there any? How does God demonstrate his power? How does God reveal hidden truths? How does God bring people to the message of Jesus? What, what are we given that can equip us like the apostles were equipped to demonstrate Jesus as God. Let me share with you 2 Timothy 3, 16 and 17. Lean on this regularly, this passage. All scripture is inspired by God and profitable for teaching, for reproof, correction, for training in righteousness, so that the man of God may be adequate, and listen to this, equipped for every good work. It says all Scripture, obviously meaning the stuff that comes after this verse as well, so that what? Man is equipped for every good work. Not most good works, except the miracles. You see, the, the Spirit through Paul could have discipled Timothy by saying all Scripture is beneficial for most of the work you'll do, but don't forget to harness the energy of signs and wonders somehow as well. No, it's not what it says. There was going to be a reality to moving on from the ministry of the apostles, let alone the reality that special revelation exists for authenticating the message of God. See, in the book of Acts, God's special revelation to people manifested itself as miracles, signs, and wonders. As apostles died, many for their faith, as the church age progressed and Scripture was completed, special revelation now rests in the Scriptures. Because there's a period at the end of Revelation. I don't know if you've ever read the last page of your Bible. It ends in a period. Why aren't we still adding to this book? Granted, I think sometimes we add and subtract to it all the time. Even churches nowadays are preaching the addition or subtraction to the Word of God. I think that's an issue because there's a period at the end of Revelation. If Revelation ended dot, 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 if we see an ellipses, we'd have some figuring out to do. But He has spoken, and we have it. Why no new installments to the Word of God? Shouldn't the Bible need a software update by now? No way. We have everything we need I want to give you more support for this idea. Please don't take my word for it. Here's 2 Peter 1, 2 through 4. Grace and peace, he says, be multiplied to you in the knowledge of God 
and of Jesus our Lord, seeing that his divine power has granted to us everything pertaining to life and godliness through the true knowledge of him who called us by his own glory and excellence. For by these he has granted to us his precious and magnificent promises so that by them you may become partakers of the divine nature, having escaped the corruption that is in the world by lust. Man, what a helpful passage for wrestling with this stuff. Divine power granted to us through what? Knowledge. It says we become partakers of that divine nature. By what? Magnificent acts of power? No, by His promises. So how do we handle ministry? We lean on Scripture, not experiences. And if we are looking for magnificent and wonderful signs and wonders that we can harness, here they are. They haven't expired. Just because we weren't alive when Jesus rose people from the dead doesn't make those stories any less relevant today. It happened. The signs and wonders that Jesus and his apostles accomplished have no expiration date. So we lean on them instead of heading out of here trying to find our own. That's the role of completed scripture in our lives. Now let's talk about it then. Does this mean God's done being miraculous? No, of course not. God is still in the miracle business. God is sovereign. He's in control. And I assure you, he's capable of anything. The spirit will move how the spirit chooses to. And we should pray that he does. We should pray for miracles. We should pray that the spirit moves in mighty ways today. Can God heal tumors? You betcha. Can unexplainable, powerful things happen in this life and around the world? You betcha. Not by our hands, though. Not by our summoning. I believe God cannot be put in a box, but we should not be put on a pedestal. It is his word that pierces hearts. God is still in the miracle business. Our business is the message. Does this mean that there are zero signs and wonders of a living God that exists today? No. There are certainly ways we can all reveal a hidden truth and support the message of a powerful God to those who need Him because Christianity works. It changes lives. Let me give you three application points here as we wrap up. Here's the first one. Let's be authenticators of the gospel by living a godly life. Be authenticators of the gospel by living a godly life. For the eager Christian, I want to encourage you, stop just looking for signs and be one instead. What could cause somebody to look at your life and interpret that there's a loving God? That they may even be convinced of the message of Christ. Be a sign to your neighbor, to your loved one. Authenticate, testify in the eyes of someone who needs rescue, the message of Jesus. What's a sign of a living God today? Well, it's the Christian. It's the Christian who grieves, but
but not like those without hope. The next time you or someone you know buries a loved one, you have what it takes to point someone in sorrow to their loving Savior. Meet them in their grief and introduce them to hope. Make the next sorry for your loss you have to say include the phrase, there's something I'd like to share with you. What's a sign of a living God today? Well, it's a Christian who does more than wave the next time they see their neighbor walk up the street. We are always one conversation away from the God moments we desperately crave and the God moments they desperately need. Sometimes we as believers only want to see God move in a way that benefits us instead of also a way that uses us. It's convicting. What's a sign of a living God today? Well, it's the Christian who invites that coworker out for coffee just to swap stories. No agenda. Just the love of Jesus made manifest in their heart and attitude. Get to know people and let them get to know you and the Jesus behind you. What's the sign of a living God today? It's anything we do that gets people to wonder about Jesus. What is it about this Christian that seems so different? Because whatever it is, it seems to work. There are people who need Jesus. How are they going to know him? Well, what could possibly authenticate the message of a loving God more than your changed life as they interact with you? When the people in Acts and the Holy Spirit was poured out for the first time and they saw miracles happen, when they saw these signs and wonders happen, it changed their world. Of course it did. Today, changed lives change worlds. Here's the second thing. Let's let the Spirit handle the miraculous while we handle the message. Can we grow in our understanding of Scripture and the ability to share it with others? When's the last time we shared any of this with an unbeliever? That's a convicting question. But the moment we point people to God's word instead of our own, we absolve ourselves of the duty and responsibility to help anybody, to save anybody. Let God speak. Let the Spirit handle the miraculous while we handle the message. Signs and wonders, tongues and prophecy, none of it designed for the Christian to have a better experience. They were designed for the dead to be brought to life because the message is true and it changes lives. Here's the last one. As we wrestle with topics and we try to live a godly life, let's rely on the resurrection of Christ. Last week, we discovered that God's sovereignty is totally dependent on his character. It all comes down to who he is. Today, we realize that the message and the signs and wonders that point to it are all dependent on that tomb being empty. And my people, it's empty. We have a living hope, a loving God, and his completed word. In the state of Virginia, once you pass the, the road sign recognition test for your learner's permit, you get to the heart of the matter, the cumulative exam. 25 questions about the road and its travels. 
Meaning, once you know the signs, it's time for the actual material. And my high school buddy who waited a long 15 days to retake it, one day he drove up to track practice, this time behind the wheel. He hopped out of the car, just beaming from ear to ear. And he said, not only did I get every sign correct this time, I didn't miss a single question. I said, oh yeah? How'd you manage that? He said, as it turns out, it was all in the book. Let me pray for us. Father God, thank you that you have chosen to reveal yourself in the miraculous way of giving us this book in our language in a way we can understand it and see just how big you are. Thank you that we can read and understand how loving you are. Thank you, thank you that we can share this with others and we can be the sign and wonder in an unbeliever's eyes that says, man, there might be a God out there because this person seems different. And God, as we wrestle with, with finding signs and wonders today, as we look for opportunities to represent you in an unsaved world, I pray that we would open our hearts and our homes for that opportunity. God, maybe it's as simple right now as, as putting a follow the star sign in our yard so that anybody who walks by starts to wonder what in the world is that all about? God, thank you for the, the Christmas season that is upon us and the miracle and story of your son, Jesus. God, I pray he would matter more to us now than he did when we first arrived. And it's in Jesus' name I pray, amen.